things. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 2. We're going to read together there in just a moment. And um, I love the Christmas blessings and uh, the uh, outward focus that we have this Christmas season and remembering to give, not just to get, to think of others, not just of ourselves. Those are important things. And we're going to uh, be looking at that through the rest of this Christmas season. Next week, we'll have a little bit more music. I'll preach a shorter message. I'll talk twice as fast. I'll be able to get all the words in, but I'll maybe a little shorter message. We'll just do some special time of worship too. And then Christmas Eve services at two or four o'clock. And then Christmas Day, just one service at 1030. And those are great traditions for us. Hope you're able to join us as we worship this Christmas season. And before we go to the text, I want to mention, I'll come back to the book of Revelation in January, but in February, I'm going to take another little break as we uh, do a church-wide study. Every life group of every age uh, in our worship services of the book of Jonah, the month of February. It's a great book. It's a powerful book. And I want to invite you to participate in that great study. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 2. And I want to talk this morning on the shepherds and the encouragement we find from them, the encouraging blessing I'm calling this. Let's read beginning with verse 8. The Bible says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is Messiah the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. And when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Well, let's note some lessons on encouragement. I've got seven principles I'd like you to note with me as we talk about the lessons of encouragement we learned from the shepherds. So if you have your worship guide that's got it on the back, you can take notes there or on the church app. I hope you have enough ink. Seven different principles about encouragement. Number one, be encouraged by the worth you have. By the worth you have. And if you'll just write that down, if you're a note taker, be encouraged by, number one, the worth you have. Verses eight and nine talk about the shepherds. Of all the people God could have come to, he chose to come to the shepherds. And the Bible says they were in the fields, they're watching the flock, they're trying to make sure everything's going as it should go, taking care of dangers and such. And I will just say, what a surprising group for, G- for, G- for God to come to, to to announce the birth of Jesus. Because the shepherds aren't powerful, they aren't famous, they aren't influential, they're, they're not like a famous athlete, they're not like a, some great singer that people just flock to hear. It's not like that at all. They don't have any special power, any special significance. In fact, many people would look down on shepherds and see them as lowly and unimportant and They didn't really matter, but they mattered to God. They mattered to God. And he saw them as having great worth and value because they were created in the image of God. Can I just tell you, whatever the world may say to you or about you, 
you have great inherent value just because you're created in the image of God. Just because you're created in the image of God. And the Bible says if you will come to know Christ as Savior, God himself adopts you into his family, makes you his child, calls you his own. You have great worth, great value, no matter what the world may say. And much of our society has said people don't really matter. I mean, they, I matter, they would say, but not anyone else. What I want, that matters, but not what anyone else thinks. But God looks at it very differently. I remember going off to college. Man, it just uh, it was a long time ago now, but I distinctly remember the emotions of going off to college. My parents were taking me from small-town Illinois. I lived in small-town Illinois downstate, and I had been to St. Louis for ball games, things like that, but I'd not really been to Chicago in any meaningful way. And my parents took, I was going to college in the western suburbs, and so they, ta- they drove me up, and you get into the city, what I thought of as a small town boy, the city far from the city. I mean, the pe- houses and houses and houses, and we drove up from the south side and then kind of towards the middle town and then out toward the western suburbs, and just people everywhere, just everywhere. And I remember looking out at, um, I was maybe on an overpass or something, and I was just looking out over the rows of houses, and it just seemed like there were so many of them. You could drive through my little town in a minute, and some of my, the towns I lived in, you didn't need the whole minute. And then here I was for an hour, just house after house. And I remember feeling so small and insignificant, and my parents were going to drop me off on the edge of this gigantic city and, you know, go kick me off, kick me out and just go on their merry way. And I thought, I'm just such a small little piece in this giant world. And yet God cared about me. And I just tell you, God cares about you. You may not feel, I mean, you don't say this out loud, but maybe when you're in the quiet of your own soul, you don't feel very significant or important or that your life matters. But God created you in his image. And he sent his son into this world for you. And if you'll come to know him as Savior, he'll give your life more worth than you can imagine. He calls you more valuable than you can fathom. I want you to know that you can be encouraged by this worth you have. Those shepherds matter. They didn't matter to the world. But they matter to God. And you matter to him. There's a second principle I want you to know. Be encouraged by the good news for all. So the Bible tells us in verse 10, um, the angel speaks to these shepherds and says, he said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I love that. It's good news. And the gospel is good news. The bad news is that we're sinners. We're broken. We can't reach God on our own. The good news is God did something about it. And he knows our brokenness. He knows our sinfulness. He knows our needs. He knows our weaknesses and our failures but he sent his son into this world to live for us to die for us to rise from the grave for us it's good news and it's of great joy the joy that can come in knowing christ is greater than what the world knows the world has this little flimsy um, happiness and joy that might last for a moment god wants something that lasts for eternity but notice that it says here in the text good news of great joy that will be for all of the people for all the people it's for all. I love that. I'll be back in Revelation in January and we'll be reminded that in heaven one day there'll be people from every tribe and tongue and nation, every 
every, from everywhere on this planet. People have trusted Christ as Savior. People have found forgiveness of sins. People have been adopted into God's family. It's one of the reasons why we say as a church we want to be outward focused. I love the people who are here. We're glad for people who are here, but we don't want to forget those who aren't here. We want to care about people who aren't here. We want to care about people who don't know Christ as Savior and people who don't know the songs that maybe we sing or the, the message of the, what Christmas is all about even. We want to care about people like that. So we, we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that goes to International Mission Board, and we give to the World Missions offering because it's a means by which we can help people locally and to the ends of the earth hear the gospel. Our church budget, the primary way that we support the mission and ministry of our church, gives to missions um, every, every week. We give to missions. It's a part of what we do. We care about people here and to the ends of the earth. We go on mission trips far away. We care about reaching people here. Part of Christmas blessings is because we want to care about people who live in this area and people who need the message of the gospel because the good news is for all. God cares about people, and he cares about people like you, and he cares about people who aren't so much like you. He cares about people who are in a church on a Sunday morning in December, and he cares about people who aren't in any church anywhere who maybe don't know very much about what Christmas really means, who don't know the message of the gospel, who don't know that God can forgive them of their sins, who might not realize that the message is good news because it sounds to them like bad news. There's a sin in our lives. We want to ignore that and, and, and sort of run past that. But God reminds us of his love for us, even in that brokenness and even in that need. So we're encouraged by the worth we have and the good news for all. There's a third way we're encouraged, and that's by the glory of God. And I love that the shepherds begin to find out something about the glory of God here. Uh, verse 9 says, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So they see something of the glory of God. It's shining. That is, God is light. He pushes back darkness. And just seeing this glory of the Lord causes them to be terrified. It's the pitch dark, and suddenly they see something of the greatness, the glory of God, the light that helps them to see something of the greatness of God. Maybe they thought, like a lot of people, maybe they thought of God as, you know, he's great, he's fine, but they never thought of the glory of God. They never thought of the greatness of God. They never perhaps saw how big God is, that he's bigger than our problems and our needs. Maybe they thought about God as, like, you put him in a little category, you, you do the worship thing, and then you just go about with the rest of your life. Maybe they saw him in, like, a little religious box, and there was God, and then you just go about the other part of your life, and God's sort of irrelevant to the rest. But this night, they saw something of the glory of God, the greatness of God. The Bible says in verse 13, there was suddenly a multitude of the heavenly host with the angels. It's like, like the angel was announcing, and then the angels couldn't hold back any longer. They began to praise God, and they said, verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. And they began to sing about the glory of God, the greatness of God. So I want you to see what God has done. But I want you to see who God is. I mean, I want you to be thankful for what God has done. But can I tell you, praise, technically speaking, thanksgiving is where we thank God for what he's done. But praise is where we recognize who God is. And all that he does for us comes from who God is. And I want you to see something of the greatness of God. Maybe, maybe you've just never kind of experienced understood that. God is great. 
So Christmas season, there'll be lots of lights. Some of you have lights in, on your house, and some of you have like, tried to give Clark Griswold a run for his money, perhaps, on your house, and great, you know, that's all good and fine until the electric bill comes, but wonderful. It's a fine tradition. I'm a little, I can be a little bah humbug on some of those things myself, but nothing wrong with Christmas lights. It reminds us of the, you know, the beauty. God made this a beautiful world. Wonderful. But once in a while, you ought to go beyond just the Christmas lights and see kind of the, uh, maybe we could think of it as God's Christmas lights, the glory of heavens and looking into the sky when the lights, you know, your house is lit up, the light pollution kind of keeps you from seeing the stars at all. And really, that's kind of the way it is living in town. But if you can sometime get out from town and uh, some clear, cold night this winter and just look into the heavens and see, you see the stars, and they're so far away, it's hard for us to imagine. I mean, so incredibly distant, these suns that shine so far distant from us. And yet, God made every one of them. God is able to speak them into existence. Everything that we see, everything that the, mic, the uh, telescope can see, everything beyond what the telescope can see, God made it all. And maybe you thought of God as small or, you know, you know fine, he's fine. But I want you to see something, something of the glory of God, to realize the terrible reality that God is all-knowing and omniscient and omnipresent. And the beauty of God's greatness of creation and that he cares about you. And the power of God's ability. I want you to see something of the glory of God. And these shepherds, for, what, for whatever else might have helped, happened that night, they saw God is big. God is great and glorious. He's powerful. And this great, powerful God cares about us. There's a fourth principle I want you to know. Be encouraged by the favor God shows. By the favor God shows. Verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. I love that God gives peace to this war-torn planet we live on. And the Bible says peace on earth to people he favors. This is talking about the blessings of God. So in, when I talked about the glory of God, it just reminded us of who God is. But when we talk about the blessings of God, we're reminded of what God does. I want you to know who God is, and out of that comes what God does, the blessings that we have. And there are so many blessings. God shows his favor to people like us. Another uh, tradition we have, kind of an odd tradition we have now is ugly Christmas sweaters. I'm not sure how that started, but it has, you know, it's caught hold in our culture. And uh, some of you have really gone to, I mean, you've really gone to great lengths with your ugly Christmas sweaters. I sometimes get it wrong. I, a couple of people, I thought it was an ugly Christmas sweater and it's a sweater grandma got them uh, last year or something. And I apologized to them that Grandma can't see very well. That was my, I just thought it was terrible that poor grandma needs better glasses. Well, these are first world problems that we have, just having an ugly Christmas sweater that we could buy a sweater. I mean, this is the country we live in, the day and generation we live in. You, could just, you can just have things. You just have things. You don't just have a few things. We have so many things. We can have sweaters, but we can have just sweaters that we wear uh, just to 
show how outlandish a sweater can be, I suppose, just to so show how ugly a sweater can be, maybe. And we have first world problems. We're a little bit like on the Christmas, the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special, Sally, that's the little sister, I think, of Charlie Brown. She said this, maybe, maybe this relates to you. She says this, she says, all I want is what I have coming to me. All I want is my fair share, she said. That's, that's the American way, isn't it now? I just, I deserve, I want, I need, I just want my fair share. I just want what's coming to me. I just want something more. And we begin to think, if we're not careful, that the primary blessings of life are just the physical things we have. Can I just tell you that everything we have here, everything we hold in our hand, that's going to stay. But there are some things greater. You see a little of that, just like, if you lose your health, it doesn't matter how much you have. I mean, you see when you have a health a health scare, how much more important that is. And beyond that, to see spiritual health, eternal health, is how much more important it is. God has shown his favor to us, and every blessing we have is a blessing he's put into our hands and allowed us to share for a moment, but no greater blessings than the spiritual blessings God wants us to have. And the greatest blessing was not that God gave us something, but that he gave us himself. And these shepherds began to see something of the favor of God and the favor God shows. God has blessings for you. I want you to recognize that. Remember who God is and remember that out of who God is comes all that he has given to us. And by the way, I remind you, church, that we don't just have blessings so we have blessings, but we have blessings so that we can be a blessing. Principle number five, be encouraged by the opportunities God gives, by the opportunities God gives. Go, go with me to verse 15. I think it's a critical verse here. The Bible says, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven. Well, what happens then when the angels are gone and the singing is gone? The shepherds said to one another, I love this, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go straight to Bethlehem. Let's do something about this. Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So we have in, um, if, some of you have heard the saying, the Latin phrase carpe diem, seize the day. Well, the shepherds are saying, in effect, let's seize this day, or we might say uh, carpe Bethlehem. Let's seize, let's go to Bethlehem right now. Let's go straight, they say to Bethlehem, and see what's happened. Let's see for ourselves what the Lord is talking about. God is giving us an opportunity, they're saying, and let's take advantage of that opportunity, and let's leave behind. It's not a convenient time, middle of the night, but let's leave behind the things that don't matter as much, and let's take the opportunity for this thing that matters so much. I hear people say frequently, many times I've heard people say something like, you know, someday I'm going to whatever it is. I'm going to trust Christ as Savior someday. I'm going to I'll follow in believer's baptism someday. I'll serve in some way. I'll use my spiritual gifts and talents for God's glory someday. I'll get active in faith someday. Someday I'm going to get serious about really my personal devotional life. Someday I'm going to get serious about church attendance. Or I'll get in a life group someday. I'll get connected. I'll, get, I'll, share my, I'll share my faith with other people someday. I'll share the gospel with the guys at work or school. Or... There's no such... Someday is missing the whole point here. They said, let's go straight to Bethlehem. This is an opportunity God has given us this day. Let's not wait for some other day. Let's not say someday, one day, but let's go this day. God has given us an opportunity, and we have the great privilege of seeing Jesus now. Let's go to him now. And I want to 
encourage you to go beyond someday to this day. I'm going to follow him this day. And there's a power to that. When we decide to follow Jesus, when we say, I'm going to go straight, let's go straight to God's purpose and God's plan and God's desire. I'm going to do what God wants in the brief moments. I'll just tell you, from my perspective, some of you are younger than me. From my perspective, many of you are younger than me. It's easy to be younger than me. But from my perspective, man, life goes like this. Have you started to notice that? Just so fast, so rapidly in life. That seemed as a child so long is just such a brief moment. I see that more and more. And if I waste the opportunities of today, they never come again. I can't do one thing about the past, not one thing, except learn from it. But man, the opportunities that come with this day will never come again. I mean, this day is gone. When this day is gone, it's gone. And I don't want you to miss the opportunities that God has for you. And those shepherds were wise enough to say, let's, let's do something about this now. Let's listen to God's voice now. Let's go while we have the opportunity. Let's not waste this moment. So whatever it is that God's dealing with your heart about, don't waste this day. Don't waste this moment, this opportunity. Principle uh, number six, be encouraged by the connection with Christ. God wants a connection with you. Verse 16 says, they hurried off. And they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So the message of the gospel is personal. It's always personal. And they wanted to be connected with the Lord. And they saw him. By the way, the Lord cares about you personally. I I mentioned how you have value. Not only do you have value, God wants to be connected with you. The gospel message is not just religion. You can kind of do religion at a distance. At a distance. But Christianity is at a, I mean, that's a connection with God. And he doesn't just want your, like, Sunday morning or the facade on the outside. He wants you. And these disciples saw Jesus personally. Jesus cares about you personally. You matter to him personally. He wants a personal connection with you. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I want to ask you today to give your life to Christ. Christ died for you personally. He rose from the grave for you personally. He sends the Holy Spirit to convict you personally. And today I want to ask you to give your life to Christ, to repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ. And Christian, I want to ask you to grow in your personal relationship with the Lord. Spend time with him in his word. Spend time with him in prayer. Spend time learning his purpose and plan. God wants a connection with you. Principle number seven, be encouraged by the changes God makes. In verse 17 and following, we see some of the changes the shepherds begin to tell other people about the message. That's a change. What you care about is what you, you talk about the things you care about. If you saw some great game, you talk about it. You saw some great movie, you talk about it. And they could not help but talk about the Lord. The people were amazed to hear these shepherds telling these stories. Mary was treasuring these things in her heart. She started meditating on them. What does this mean? And then the Bible says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard. I mean, they they were changed. They went back to the same job, but they went back differently. Back to the same place, but they were different on the inside. And God changes things. There are people in this congregation who have had every sort of background. Whatever struggle or brokenness or pain you have, others have too. Well, their story isn't exactly like yours. The same sorts of stories 
all of us come from brokenness. And there are people here who have, whatever it is that you have, they've, they've had that. But they found the power of the life-changing message of the gospel. They found that God can forgive them, that God can make them new, that God can change their desires, that God can change their life, God can change their purpose, God can give them new direction, God can give them meaning, God can give them a mission, God can make everything new, back to the same places, to the same people, to the same jobs, but new on the inside. God does that. God wants to do that for you. He wants to change, perhaps he wants to change some behavior, maybe some attitudes, maybe some motivations, maybe some of the ways you've been thinking, maybe priorities in your life. God changes us. And those shepherds went back to the field and back to the flocks, but they, were, they went back with the Lord in their heart and a change in their life and a new meaning and purpose. And God does that for people. I want you to be encouraged by that. God changes us for the better. God changes us for eternity. God has a purpose and plan for you. God's got a mission and a task for you. Don't miss that this Christmas season. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? And as we pray, right where you are. There's some of you who need to be saved and God's convicting you and reminding you that he loves you, that he cares about you. Right where you sit today, would you say, God, I know that I have sinned against you, but I believe you can forgive me of my sin because you died on the cross for that sin. I'm going to place my trust in you who died for me and rose from the grave for you. I'm going to give my life to you. And as I turn from my sin, I give my life to you. And if you mean that, Christ will save you. I want to ask you this day to ask him to save you, and he will. Christian, would you say, God, I want to live a life of meaning and purpose. I don't want to just kind of daydream through life, sleepwalk through life. You made me for something greater. You care about me. I matter to you. I want to see something of the greatness of who you are and what you've done for me and live that out in my life. God, help me not just to be a... um, not just to know your truth, but to live your truth. And Father, I want to thank you for this great story of the shepherds that is so life-changing. I want to thank you. You went to them to tell them the great message of the, the good news of great joy that will be for all people. And I want to thank you. It still changes lives today. And I'm praying for people who need to be saved. Draw them to yourself today that they will trust you as Savior. And I'm praying for Christians today to grow a step forward in their faith and to follow you more fully. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.